Hello, uh, I IFFL. This is your host. Football is cool, aka Stumpy Jones, aka Dwight Knight, aka uh, Hockey is cool. Um, welcome to another episode of Football Talk today. Episode num- number eleven. Uh, we'll pick up from where we left off with the. Um, with the ISFL Season 30 playoffs, um, we had just uh, started talking about, or finished talking about, how the uh, the game of the New York Silverbacks and the Copperheads went out, which was kind of like a fireworks game. Reminder, Silverbacks won uh, 47-24. to 24. Um really was could have a game that could have gone either way and uh silverbacks show their prowess um in nudging out the copperheads uh on the other side of the bracket for the uh nsfc we have the colorado yeti and the sailfish uh as the dummy game that was the four seed for uh yeti wait for another expansion you'll be right in um, but that game was a three-point game, decided by the Sailfish. Thank you, RNG Sims, I assume that's how it goes. But in the game that actually mattered, it was the uh, second seed, uh, Yellowknife Wraiths, uh, and the Berlin Fire Salamanders, um, which um, a kind of... Ex- I thought the Fire Salamanders would be the uh, clear favorite going into this season. Um, I projected them to be top of the NSFC, but they actually got hit with a regression bat uh, pretty hard and had some really, really big members uh, get destroyed for that. Um, Particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And... I'll talk more about that uh, when going through teams and what their needs are and player positions and things like that. Um, but uh, the the Berlin Fire Salamanders came out hot in this game and they really uh, started dumpstering the Yellowknife Wraiths, uh, alluding to kind of a hangover uh, from winning uh, last season. Which good on the race, but uh, honestly, uh, the Salamanders went up. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. There was a safety in the game for the race, but it didn't really matter. Um, Fire Salamanders started the first half uh, up uh, twenty-four to nine, um, and. Uh, the Fire Salamanders just continued to stay even with the Wraiths. Um, big things was, honestly, the Wraiths just couldn't get it done on third down. Um, even though they were surprisingly 2-for-2 two two on fourth down, they were 1-11 on uh, third down. Uh, not too often you see teams uh, have a better fourth down efficiency than third down efficiency. Or... Not better efficiency, but make 
be successful more on fourth down plays with two compared to the one third down play, which is pretty nuts. Um, yeah, uh, turnovers yet again. Uh, Yellow Knife Wraiths were victims of the turnover battle, um, and the Fire Salamanders got time of possession for it. Um, honestly, quarterbacking out of Berlin was nothing too special. Capricolin uh, was 14 for 21, uh, had 161 yards and two TDs. Um, was safe with the ball. Um, didn't do anything crazy that his team didn't need him to do. On the other side of the ball, uh, uh, Colby Jack was actually 26 for 41. So he had a lot more responsibility this game. Um, and he had 275 yards, three touchdowns, and an in. Um, but coming into this game, kind of knew that uh, Yellowknife was through an air team or an all or nothing. Um, just having uh, JQ Jr. and uh, Accurate Skyline, both about, I think, 500 or 600 TPE players, Accurate Skyline essentially regressing. So they didn't really have that threat of the running game that Berlin had, um, where uh, uh, I'm still calling him Petrangolo or Petrangolo. Um, he, he actually really popped off this game, um, or not necessarily popped off, uh, him and Acura Skyline had the same averages, but, um, he just was giving the ball away more. Um, he had 27 attempts for 121 yards, um, and a touchdown, uh, whereas Skyline only had 8 attempts for 36 yards. Um, yeah, it was just really just having the dual threat and the turnovers was the difference in this game. Nothing really crazy. Uh, uh, Dolls had an okay pancake day. He had a penalty for four yards. Let's go. Uh, weird things. Byron Dolls. Um, but other than that, he had eight pancakes. And then JQ Jr. actually was the one uh, flattening kids out with seven pancakes on Yellowknife. But um, just really uh, nothing too crazy in this game. Uh, you kind of hoped that the race could potentially make a comeback, but the uh, lead in the first three quarters just kind of made it futile, and if you're watching the game, you were you probably had uh, turned everything off and checked out at that point, especially if you're a race fan. I know I would have been. Um, but going into the next game, uh, we're going to just continue to transition into the NSFC where you had the third ranked in the in, in the uh, third ranked uh, Fire Salamanders with actually the worst record of these playoffs, so at 9 and 7. Um, take on the Sarasota Sailfish, and that game was a, a nail biter. Um, uh, honestly, uh, so it didn't feel like a nail-biter if you were watching it, but, uh, comebacks, that's all I can say about this, is it felt like there was, uh, potential, potential, um, so, yeah, starting off the, the game, uh, uh, you have a, a nice field goal by Danny King, and then, uh, answered by a 
uh, an outside of the red zone uh, touchdown catch by Salim Spence. And uh, go figure, two minutes later, uh, Mike Boss Jr. gets safetied. Um, I'm actually really curious on the stat um, for safeties, but just from an eye test since the sim change happened, I would be very surprised if someone hasn't gotten had more safeties than uh, Mike Boss Jr. since the change of Sims. Um, I may go through that one of these times just because it's funny. Um, but so in the first quarter, uh, Berlin ended up having five points to seven um, until uh, Frost's player, uh, Chizru, I'm not even going to say it, Ichinez, um, just got essentially the fullback dive for one yard uh, score which was great and then uh, Jacob Small continues his dominance by uh, by just being really solid in this game um, he was perfect um, which is exactly what you want um, it didn't really have any challenging kicks there were no really challenging kicks those games um, but <sighs> the big thing in this game is the uh, classic tale of turnovers. Um, Fire Salamanders essentially threw a pick six um, to Henrik Henrich Kickapoo, um, which really felt like it blew the game wide open. It made the score twenty four to five. And then uh, nine minutes later, Jacob Small gets a field goal, extending the lead 27 to five. Um, right before halftime, though, uh, Berlin does get some work done. They had a great two-minute drill, and they 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 got a touchdown from Ty to Tychondri Tychondrius Hood um, from Nick Capricolin. Um and it, it, it brought the, the score to being 27-12 to 12 at halftime, which is far more manageable. Um, the third quarter was kind of a quiet quarter. Uh, only thing that happened was a short field goal from Jacob Small um, right at the end of the third quarter. Um, and then uh, Mike Boss, go figure, uh, starting off the scoring in the fourth quarter, Mike Boss Jr., uh, gets tackled for a safety with 12 minutes left, making the score 14 to 30, and then a 29 field goal happens for Berlin, making it 17 to 30, uh, and then Troy Abed catches an eight-yard pass from Nick Capricolin with a minute left, uh, making it 28 to th or 24 to 30. Uh, usually, when you see this many unanswered points, you're about to get dicked by the sim. At least that's been my uh, experience with it. Um, and in the playoffs, uh, everybody was butt-clenching and all that jazz. Um, and then for some reason, Berlin didn't even go for an onside kick. I don't know what the coach setting is for that, if that were to happen, if you have to, like, specific thing for that. But uh, that was so surprising for a lot of people. Uh, notable performances for the game. Uh, Berlin clearly was uh, attacking through the air. Uh, Capricolin, uh, 48 pass, just 48 pass attempts, and he went 33 for 48 for 366 yards, two touchdowns in an inch, um, which 
pretty reasonable. Rushing was uh, King Jr. Petrangolo, aka. Um, he only had 15 attempts for uh, 48 yards, which was really, really significant. Usually, if you hold uh, teams to three yards or less, or three and a half yards or less, unless them, your defense is playing lights out, which is what us in Sarasota have uh, relied upon. Uh, big performers uh, come on scoop. Um, he he had he didn't get any uh, touchdowns, but he did get eight receptions for 114 yards, kind of their deep threat. And then Troy Abed actually was a big producer as well with uh, five catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. Um, receiving uh, for Sarasota, really, like I said before, really not that much. Uh, most receptions were Angler and Kingston with four reception eats, for one for 17 yards total and the other one for 54 yards total. And most of the work was done through the defense or through the air or, or not air was done through defense, uh, special teams, or, uh, or just, yeah, just defense and special teams, really, or on the ground. Uh, Itchy Nose, he actually kind of popped off. Um, he had 18 attempts for 130 yards and a touchdown. Um, kind of popped off. Um, and return teams were just great. Uh, Javonathan, he had two kick returns for uh, 57 yards total, one of them being 33 yards, giving you essentially a half field. And uh, Jackson, uh, uh, yeah, Kingston essentially um, was even better. He had two kick returns for a total of uh, 76 yards, uh, which with a, a long of 40, which you're you're essentially starting four drives at midfield, which is just amazing and just gives you a great uh, a great position for your team. I mean, um, for those for the kick returns, um, Kingston's punt returns were a little less. Uh, I assume a, a lot more touched backs and things like that. He really he had four returns for um, 36 total yards, and the long was 18. Still pretty good, not the best, but not a big deal. Um, Jacob Small was clutch as fuck. Um, he only had four year, four punts, but three of them were inside the twenty. Um, and he just did a great job swinging the field. Nothing against King; he also was a beast too. He had seven punts for three hundred and fifty yards. And five of them were inside the 20, which is really impressive, but, um, just, <laughs> not enough. Um, offensive line people, Bob Bob was, uh, was a criminal. Honestly, is a clean game out of Sarasota, which really helped him. Bob Bob was the only one who took a penalty, um, and it was a five-yard penalty, um, other than that. No penalties for for Sarasota, whereas uh, Berlin had quite a few. Uh, Berlin had seven total penalties, and the total yardage was over 60 yards. Uh, 
65 yards, 65 yards. So you're you're getting a lot of weird um, bonus yards from special teams and penalties um, as a Sarasota team, and then your defense also came up cl clutch and got an interception return, which honestly was a difference maker um, in this game. Um, yeah, uh, Sangoku was also a beast. He had a forced fumble, uh, a fumble recovery as well. Um, so not only do you have the pick six, but you also have the fumble recovery, which was uh, pretty massive. Um, yeah, just a clean game out of Sarasota. No, uh, no turnovers for that. Um, next, going back to the uh, opposite side of the bracket, you have the uh, Arizona Outlaws, which was the 14-2 and two team, uh, as a recap for people who hadn't listened to last time or don't really pay attention to the league, which, why are you even listening to me talk at that point? Um, they were taking on the 11-5 uh, Silverbacks. Um, the Outlaws just clapped. Clapped. Uh, New York Silverbacks. It was uh, a score of 33-0. Um, I would hate to be a Silverback team, get hype, get rowdy, all that jazz, and all of a sudden just get dominated. Um, uh, kind of similar, kind of like uh, talked about earlier with third down efficiency being 1 for 10. Um, New York was didn't even have the fourth down efficiency to help them. They really, really only got things done on... They just didn't get things done. They could not get their offense rolling. Um, yeah. Uh, New, New York, they tried to get things through the air. They really didn't give too many attempts to uh, Captain Rogers, which I actually was really surprised. I thought Captain Rogers was... Someone who flew under the radar from a stats perspective. He was one of the most efficient like uh, runners in the league from an average uh, to attempts. At least, I think he was this year. I know it was either this year or last year. I need to double check that. But they, New York committed through the air and it just did not work at all. Um. <sighs> Uh, uh, I think it was James uh, Roditsky was the top receiver for New York. Um, he was uh, he had six receptions for 73 yards, with the the longest being a 17 yard thing. There were zero kick attempts by D Small, um, which just goes to show how dominant that Arizona was in this game. Um, yeah, uh, Arizona, you'd normally think they would be, uh, uh, I know in years past they were kind of talked about as being a run-first team. Uh, this is not that team. This is just a team that is stacked at the offensive level, um, kind of all around the board. Um, going into the playoffs or going into the season essentially made the statement, as soon as I realized they got crash wagon um, at the tight end position, uh, it was kind of a statement of if Arizona doesn't win the cup this year, they're 
like this would be their best season to do it. Um, they may have a chance in the next season or next season or two, but this was clear. They were clearly the favorite. Um, uh, I'm sure betting against them would have yielded smaller dividends at the beginning of the season. Uh, Cortez, just like before, uh, pretty known thing. It's about consistency and not turning the ball over. Uh, treating the ball like it's your girlfriend. You don't want any other guy to take it. Um, but share it with your homies on the team. Wait, what? Um, just kidding. Uh, unless you're into that stuff, then good for you. Um, not, not my bag. Um, but Cortez, he went 23 for 31 for 287 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, primary receiver, which has actually been really surprising for me, was uh, Tatsu Nakamura, which uh, he kind of occupied, uh, just from what I observed, was Nakamura was the primary receiver this season, kind of. He kind of played the slot or occupied the slot. Uh, and then Ramon and Pema were were usually nice deep threats with a wagon across in the slot or slanting and drag routes and all that shit. Um, but Memes was actually the primary running back, I think, this season. Um, it was probably a 1A, 1B situation, but Memes kind of did a little they, they could because they had similar uh tatsu nakamura and deadly memes had similar production um but nakamura just he also got the receiving yards so uh, arizona did definitely did him favors for like boosting his uh numbers and things like that um not really much to talk about in this game other than it was a clapping um yeah uh yeah that's that was it it was a clapping um and this brought us to our titan game so this is a game i still hadn't watched like it's been 24 hours and i still haven't watched it um it was the sailfish versus the outlaws um going into this game i so reasons for me not watching it, I was uh, on vacation visiting people that I knew, and uh, I'm not going to <laughs> I'm probably not going to watch something like this with those people. Uh, in addition to that, the reception was pretty poor, so um kind of just occasionally check discord as it would periodically update if you were in like a right specific position uh to see how the game was going making sure uh depression hadn't struck yet um essentially it's kind of as a classic epitome of when the tampa bay buccaneers won in the warren sap era which was the early 2000s um you have the sailfish which are a team that is has and is built around their defense and has such a strong defensive core and secondary um, linebacker D-line as well, um, which is really, really difficult to do. Um, these positions often don't 
get a lot of uh, personal individual stats. They're more of the team player stats, uh, especially if you have a strong D-line, which I, I'm convinced is crucial for going for it on fourth down, um, which kind of played a big factor, but uh, just like all the other games in the, the season, it's all about keeping control of the ball and not turning it over. Um, and I'll lead that off, that stat off. Uh, Arizona had two turnovers. They had a fumble lost and an interception. Um, the time of possession was really only different by 1 minute and 40 seconds, which um, noticeable but not, not insurmountable. Um, Arizona had more passing yards. It was 278 to 254, um, but uh, so Cortez went uh, 26 for 41, which is a more heavily passing game than uh, their previous one. And uh, Boss Jr. Um, continued his way of. Uh, really only having 30 attempts. He went 20 for 30 for 254 yards and three touchdowns. Um, absolutely bonkers game by him. Um, far and away the clear MVP of the game, uh, barring some uh, barring some other argument from a defensive player, um, in my opinion, just because uh, I still haven't watched the game. I don't know who actually made fourth down stops. It was like the same situation over and over. Fourth down stop, and they they got an interception as well, or they 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 got they forced a fumble and recovered it and got a sack and like like that's a scenario where I could see a, a defensive player winning the MVP just because of how clutch those situations are. Um, it would be really really cool to see. Uh, in my opinion, a defensive lineman. Just respect from the other side. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Itchy Nose had 20 attempts uh, for 78 yards and a rushing amount of greater than uh, four. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Nakamura had uh, 42 yards on 11 rushes. And Deadly Memes had uh, 41 yards on 9 attempts. Um, yeah. Uh, receiving for uh, Arizona, uh, Ramon uh, was the most efficient catch person to catch the ball. Um, he had 6 receptions for 92 yards. And uh, Deadly Memes uh, really wasn't used very much at all in the passing game. Which was really, really surprising um, from the results. It was either from the results of the last game against New York, just with play call distribution. It appears or it seems that Arizona changed a significant amount in their play calls and styles. They went predominantly passing instead of a balanced approach, um, which seemed to work quite well for them because... Uh, their team is really built to run quite a bit. They have two easily argued, like, all-star 
I, I guess they would be starting running backs on 90% of teams, and they have two of them, which is kind of nuts. Um, yeah, it's a team that's loaded with talent. Um, also, with their wide receiver core, you see that as well. Um, they're one of the teams. There are a lot of teams. I'll just make it as a blanket statement. Uh, we're running into this issue, or teams are running into this issue in the SHL, where you have so many talented players um, that are max earning and they're really good. Um, they they want the spotlight, and it's hard to keep those people around, whether it be them retiring or them uh, walking in free agency and stuff. All teams are this way or all players are this way, it's a natural thought progression that just happens. Um, of I put, I'm put i putting in work, why can't I get a predominant share, especially if you see someone like a, a Kendrick Watts on a Honolulu or a Cobra Kai um, be the guy. Um, it feels good to be the guy. Um, yeah, uh, especially in a fantasy sim scenario. Um, but re receiving uh, for Sarasota was kind of balanced, kind of balanced, still some slight, uh, I mean, it's honestly as you would expect it. It's first receiver had six receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown. Second receiver had five receptions for 43 yards, kind of a more of a slot situation. Uh, and then James Angler, the tight end, your boy, team use. Uh, four receptions for 73 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, itchy nose. I assume caught a caught a, a, a touchdown. That was probably five yards. And then the fullback Messi. Not even fullback. I think Messi is actually a tight end. I'm pretty sure. Um, other tight end. Yeah, he's actually probably going to be Sarasota one tight end next season. Um, he has put in tremendous work. He had one reception for one yard. Um, I don't know if he's more of a blocking tight end, but he's I've seen his name a lot more now. Um, but he got the one score. Um, and by one score, I mean across the board and the scoreboard, his, it's one. So he got... It's just perfect. <laughs> and then you also have... Sol Salim Spence, who had one reception for 11 yards, uh, which visually is just ones across the board as well, and that's pretty funny, um, which is actually the same as our fullback, Stern and Staub. Um, but it was, it was really hype, it was really hype to see that stiff. Um, small, yet again, perfect. Um, everything was within 40 yards, which is great, but, uh, Cade York was someone who, uh, he wasn't put, he wasn't really given too many positions to succeed in. Uh, his only kicks were from 50 plus, and he hit one of them, which is kind of nuts. Um, big performing from the pancake perspective. Um, it was actually Brent Silva, Silva. Um, on Arizona, he had 11 pancakes, and honestly, an amazing game from a from a uh, an offensive lineman. And then 
Crash. <sighs> Crash wagon had nine pancakes. Um, and a ten yard penalty. Um, Lover um, had six pancakes. Um, tied with uh, Pennington Jr. Um, for the pancake lead for Sarasota. Uh, Sig Sigmund. God, that's such a name. What a mouthful. Um, but yeah, uh, it was extremely exciting, extremely hype. Um, a lot of people liked it. I honestly didn't care too much about it. Um, I mean, I do care. It's not that I don't care. It's kind of a relief to win something in the ISFL. Um, I know my player has done well, but uh, playoff-wise, not really anything. Um, nothing crazy. So, uh, so now that uh, killed a bunch of time on talking about the little bit of the playoffs, way more time than it ever should have been. Uh, kind of go to players and player stats, uh, talk about who should win what, like who should win quarterback of the year, um, teams to watch out for and things like that. Um, the easiest thing to say for um, quarterback of the year is actually... Um, do you, who do you value at, or like, what do you value in a quarterback um, for voting? I have no idea who wins these things, but I assume uh, the com the comparison is between Cortez and Colby Jack from Yellowknife, so Arizona and Yellowknife, uh, just because uh, pure volume for Colby Jack. Um, even though his actual performance was just kind of, it was, it was above average, like, it was, it's kind of second tier. He really didn't have great efficiency. Um, yeah, his completion percentage was 67.8%, which is pretty darn good. But when you compare that to Arizona, Arizona was kind of an offensive phenom team. So, I, I'm more inclined to actually side with Colby Jack on this one just because of the tools that you have to work with and what's going on. And um, But I could honestly see between the two of them it going either way. Um, yeah, Sloth actually just continues to have decent seasons. He was the other quarterback that was over 100 uh, QBR, it's just that New Orleans really didn't have many chances or opportunities. Um, Rushing-wise, rushing is a little weird. I assume most people are going to say uh, Goat Tank um, as the uh, running back of the season, but I honestly don't think Goat Tank... Like, I thought he was good. I didn't think he was everything in a bag of chips. I would actually be more likely to vote for a Captain Rogers or a, um, a Zoe Watts. I think if you're going on volume and production, Zoe Watts is a more efficient running back to, to be or have on your team and got more done. 
but uh, I, I still think that Captain Rogers was misused this year in New York, uh, and this was kind of his season to pop off. Um, uh, Jamar Laxon, or not, yeah, Jamar Laxon is uh, also a notable uh, mention. But Captain Rogers just kind of did it all. He led the league in touchdowns as a running back for running, and he also just had an insane average. He was over five yards rushing, or over five yards rushing per rush, um, which is really insane, especially on uh, a New York uh, team that really didn't have that many sources of of things which that in itself is even more surprising just because of how um, they decided to go that route they decided to go the passing route instead of uh, utilize him and I really think it caused them to suffer quite a bit just because this player was decent so decent um, Receiving wise, uh, the clear favorite is Sakura and Lim. Uh, those are really the those are honestly the easiest ones to pick. But I I actually really think uh, Vidal Sands or Eleven Kendrick Watts. Uh, maybe not Kendrick Watts, but. I think Vital Sands deserves some sort of acknowledgement or recognition. Um, they were, they are clearly the best wide receiver in Austin, and uh, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that team changes as time goes. Um, defense, uh, shout outs to. Uh, Brash Tomischler, uh, from Austin. Uh, he was the one who packed the most lunches this year, um, with 23 sacks, which is really quite nuts. Great pass rusher. Um, now, forced fumbles. There were three up there in forced fumbles, with six for the most. Um... Rusty Rucker was one of them out of Colorado. AJ Lucas out of Baltimore was another, and then Ernest Lover was another. Which um, it's easy to say that Ernest Lover would be pretty insane. Um, from a touchdown perspective, uh, San Jose actually they one of their uh, actually their captain. Uh, Ricky Vaughn um, had the most defensive touchdowns with three, um, and then there were also three players with two, but we don't talk about those because they're not the best. Um, uh, Rusty Rucker was uh, the leading tackler in the league with 126. Um, it would be really, really interesting. I'm actually going to check to see if you can team stat number of plays that you had as a team versus 
so then you can kind of properly gauge these. It's really difficult to vote for these teams linearly and the players linearly for an award, especially when, uh, let's say, comparing offensive linemen. Uh, it's hard to compare the number of pancakes that an offensive lineman has when you don't compare the number of offensive plays that the offensive lineman plays in a game or in the entire season. Um, obviously, the more uh, plays your team has on offense, the higher number of total pancakes your player would have. Um, the counter being uh, if you're playing on defense you're not really having any so those teams that uh, wouldn't necessarily have the ball might actually their players may be suffering from that which would be really a bummer really a, quite the bummer um, yeah defense was just hard to compare um, front runners for the kickers honestly was there any one who was just perfect no one was a hundred percent at all field goal percentage highest field goal percentage was Sam's sidekick aka Evoc um, and they also had the most from range um, so they had six for seven, 50 plus. I actually think Evoc is probably the kicker of the year. Um, and anything else is probably a little troll. Well, yes, the, uh, extra points were not kind to Evoc, because Evoc missed one, but also their team was less, had less extra point opportunities than any other team in the league which is really, really surprising. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um, now, punting, this is where I think they should be uh, evaluated differently. Um, it's hard to say which punter deserves this one. Um, none of the punters deserve it, in my opinion. No one was outstanding, I don't think. It was kind of like teams that have uh, inability to get it across the 50-yard line or get into the red zone where you're going to score points. They have a ton more punts, and it's like, well, you're just going to give it to the same person who... You're just going to give it to the same person on a bad team over and over again, which is really unfortunate. Um, now to the pride and joy of things that I have. Uh, pancakes, baby. Pancakes. Um, it was really interesting this year that a uh, bot, Emmanuel Blackstone, was the pancake god. He had 141 pancakes, but he also had two sacks allowed. Um... Also, bots don't really count for awards, so he can go fuck himself. Um, Mo Magic is the lead offensive lineman in Pancakes with 132. 
Um, but he also had four sacks allowed. Um, Hamill, off of New York, he had 132 pan or 130 pancakes, so two less than Mo Magic, with two sacks allowed. And then Alexander Franklin and myself with 130 pancakes with well, zero sacks allowed, and then 129 pancakes for myself with zero sacks allowed. Um, I personally, so like, this is where it becomes difficult to compare the two of them, or the two types of people. You essentially have the pancakes as a disqualifying factor. For example, uh, Bruce Buckley, he had one pancake and 120, or he had one sack allowed and 128 pancakes. Uh, how much weight does that sack allowed go against voting for that individual? Um, have to hope to God you don't have sack allowed. Um, the reason why I say that is you might actually have a dangerous uh, thing pop up, not for the players or individuals, but uh, you might have the realization that uh, if a player is consistently playing, uh, if if it's kind of like you have to have your team set up with someone else who is the weak point that if someone's gonna get a sack it's gonna count against a person it counts against that thing or individual uh, kind of acting as an anchor um, but yeah uh, I was very very happy with my season um, not everyone knows uh, actually how tight this race would be. Um, uh, Adam Mellet, he actually uh, had the lead by quite a bit um, going into the final week 16. Um, I think it was like five or six. Um, and he still had zero like he and he also just doesn't have give he just hasn't given up penalties or doesn't give up penalties and he gets one pancake in week 16 and I have like I have four more than him and at this time Alexander Franklin he has 130 pancakes at the like at this point after I think he had a hundred and he actually just had an insane final game of the season like if there were uh, an award for offensive performance for an offensive lineman he would have gotten it he had 15 pancakes in the final game which catapulted him one above me um, which that just goes to show how far ahead he was because I think I only had a um, I only had uh, I think an eight I was pretty consistent yeah I had an eight pancake day um, but I was pretty consistent um, it, from what it sounded like a lot of offensive linemen actually ended up getting a bunch of penalties uh, with exceptions to Mellet myself, and like I thought I had more penalties. I only had 35 penalty yards 
Uh, Mellet, I think, only had five total or something disgusting. Um, but yeah. Um, sounds like people uh, give awards or likely to give awards to offensive linemen who don't give up sacks. I imagine it's like a 10 for like every sack allowed, it deduces 10 sacks from your pancake total, um, which I think is less fun. Um, but my uh, iron chef, I guess, of the offensive lineman goes to Emmanuel Blackstone, the, uh, the most pancakes made, um, even though he's a bot. So that's my personal uh, perspective on that one. Uh -huh. Special teams, anyway. Is there anyone crazy on special teams? I assume they essentially go to a kick return touchdown and you see, alright, did anyone have a lot of them? I bet A. Witten, Andrew Witten from New Orleans, he, he gets one of them just because he was a beast. And the other one should be on return yards. Probably Sakura. He he was really baller. Um, but yeah, it was a good season for all of these people. Uh, I don't know who the rookie of the split would be or the season rookie of the season. Um, I assume it's gonna be a wide receiver or running back. I don't think there's a running back or someone like a Tom Hanks who played quite a bit. Oh, there you are. Um, Actually, might be Leary. Uh, Daniel Leary as a rookie. Um, just because he had a lot of things that helped. He was a linebacker who was pretty all over the place and on the field. Um, which usually gives us quite a few stats and does a good job. going that uh, I guess I'll start talking with the older teams about um, actually I'm going to shout out the ISFL guys that were in the class surprisingly a large amount of guys from Tampa Bay are in this uh, draft class um, I consider Pythonic someone from Tampa for the people who don't know my uh, SHL player uh, Dwight Knight is a co-GM of Tampa Bay Barracuda. There are a surprisingly large amount of Tampa Bay Barracuda in this draft or people who have been Tampa Bay Barracudas. Um, so I gotta shout them out. Um, Pythonic is one of them. Uh, he was on our team until we traded him away. Um, uh, sad. Uh, and that's all I can go about that. Um, uh, 
<laughs> um, another one that uh, or player or person in, in this class that we also had to trade away from Tampa, Dagumpa. He um, he's someone who we actually just recently traded him away. Um, he's someone who I view really highly in drafts and, or in sim sports and stuff. Um, just because he's someone who keeps he's he's on the grind. He's like I'm gonna max around get Hall of Fans on these bitches and pop off. Which um, I honestly thought he was one of the safer people um, to take in uh, in the SHL and. I'm happy that that happened, um, and uh, another uh, SHL guy, uh, Zoltan Topalo, uh, aka Ranger Jace, um, he actually created as an offensive lineman, which I think is hilarious that these guys are all creating together because I didn't even talk to them, um, which uh, he's in this coming class, great guy, I hope, I hope he gets drafted, I hope he gets drafted where he should, uh, I hope people value him very highly, because I, I definitely think he's great, um, and then, uh, someone who is, uh, kind of my rival in the SHL, even though, uh, we're not on rival teams or anything. It's just because inner class in the SHL is actually Dexteria. Um, he's in this coming uh, ISFL class. Uh, he uh, he's behind me in TP in the SHL by like 15, 16, 17, and he is constantly putting in work. Um, really great guy. We spent time on team world together in the or in the uh for world junior championships um in the shl so um whoever gets all any of these guys is going to just have a bonkers um they're gonna have a great time these these guys are just great they're good people um uh, and someone i think in this class uh, who's, uh, I think on Colorado's Viking or something like that, or Viking, I don't, I don't really know is him personally, but I just know he was in the SHL just from, uh, past scouting, um, good luck to all of them, uh, may you go where you want to go, and, uh, have fun, have fun. Uh, that's what it's about. Uh, um, now I'm, I'm not really going to talk about the um, like what people bring to the table and stuff like that. Just that was just their SHL experience. Um, but I. Uh, I will start talking about what some of the team needs are in the upcoming draft, uh, and I'll start from the top with these are an this is an objective evaluation. It's essentially looking at the old people, seeing who's going to regress slash retire, and saying uh, they need one of these. 
in con in addition to checking out the prospect pool. Um, this will probably continue on into something uh, next week. I'll probably continue doing this, just record the file and uh, just upload it for next week so I get credit for that because I am poor and I don't want to do work and it's hard for me to uh, pick it. It's like one of the more difficult things for the ISFL for me um, is to um, create narratives, create stories, and be interested in it just because it is a football schedule, which is honestly really healthy and good for the league, but from a player development, it's very difficult for me personally to come out with information with compared to the SHL with the uh, just less amount of games that you have, and the length of seasons are so fast that you're really trying to push... Uh, together information to expedite your player and player careers are significantly shorter so um, it can just can be di more difficult um, relative at least for me um, coming up with these things but I'll essentially work backwards from ways people ended and finished and draft drafted um, but Sarasota uh, I guess I'll only do like Sarasota and then I'll, I'll kind of repeat-ish it uh, for next time just to make sure that people are uh, can have a reference and just because I don't have another topic right now to uh, kill the three men. I guess I could do sailfish superlatives. Uh, love you all. Um, most likely to um, burn the place down to the ground is uh, the seafood bot. Um, no. Um, Honestly, I've been very, very fortunate in Sarasota. Um, it was very different for me to join a team that was a stat, like, kind of older. And I encourage people to do that. Um, to be, I encourage people to be selfish with where they want to... Um, be in sim sports because you see this a lot with the SHL that uh, players instead of asking for a trade or something or trying to explore a new place they actually retire um, even if they're um, and, and, and I, I don't think that's a good thing to do because most GMs uh, they will actually um, most GMs will actually trade you if you want to be traded and they usually get pretty decent assets out of it um, in sim sports so if you're really just not liking your atmosphere in a sim sport 
definitely try and stick it out, especially if you made an agreement with someone or a team. Um, but um, if you don't like where you are as a player or a team or an individual, um, it's your player. It's for fun. Uh, try and be fun in a different position before hanging up the, the skates or sneakers or whatever bowling ball or luchador mask wrestling league I don't know um, but yeah um, yeah that's that's the end of this rambling episode uh, I'm sorry it went so long or not so long I'm sorry that I am absolutely just regurgitating bullshit in the podcast form and is probably less entertained and I'm really kind of tired um, but um, maybe someday I'll be back to quality um, not today okay um, 